So I don't know where all of you come from, although I know where some of you come from. And it depends, of course, how far back you go. But I want to go back, at least for me at the moment, past Philadelphia, where I grew up, and maybe past even some countries in Eastern Europe, Lithuania, Poland, Russia, where my ancestors came from. And imagine for a moment, and ask you to do the same, that somehow in whatever nation or land your roots are found, you remarkably magically came upon the house of your great, 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 great grandparents. And you're walking in the house and marveling at the fact that you are in the same place that your ancestors once lived when you notice that one of the floorboards is loose. And so you pull it up and underneath you find a diary. And there, miraculously preserved by corrosive time, is the diary of your ancestors. Imagine the fascination and interest with which you would read that book to understand where the people who preceded you had come from and the lives they had lived and the dreams they had shared. You don't have to imagine it. Here it is. It's in there. It's been rescued for thousands of years and preserved so that you can read the diary of your ancestors. Because the Torah, the book, has been the thing that has enabled a people that had no fixed place, that wandered over the world to preserve themselves because they handed it from generation to generation to generation to the eighth graders at Akiba. Because in every generation, they treasured the words from the time that the rabbis first taught us how to teach it. From the time that a name that most of you don't know, but that really belongs among the stellar personalities of history, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Gamla established the first Jewish school thousands of years ago until today. The family diary has been precious. And if you ask me how precious, I don't have to give you generalizations and theory. I can give you a specific story. I think this might be the only synagogue in the world this morning where the Viscount Chateaubriand is being mentioned. But he is. And the reason that I'm mentioning this French philosopher, and he was all those things before he became a cut of meat. <laughs> Just like the Earl of Sandwich was a person before he became a sandwich. But Chateaubriand actually traveled from France to the Holy Land to see it in the early 1800s. 
And he kept a diary in which he talks about running across the Jews who lived in Jerusalem. Yes, there were Jews in Jerusalem in the 1800s who were poor and oppressed. And he writes as a Christian about the persecution of the Jews there such that, for example, when someone died in the community, they had to wait till the middle of the night and bury them in secret. But he tells a story about a book that there was a family, he said, and every family had this same Hebrew book, meaning, of course, the Torah. He said, and I was so curious about it that I went to one of the families that were in dire poverty, that didn't have enough to eat, whose clothes were ragged. And I said to them, let me buy that book. And the father said, no. And he said, I will offer you what is for you a fabulous amount of money for that book. You'll be able to buy clothes and to feed and to, I will be a glorious deal for you. All you have to do is give me the book. I want to bring it back to France. And the father said, I wouldn't sell this book for any price in the world. Because without this book, and this is what he says, without this book, I cannot teach my children. The family diary is precious beyond money, precious beyond goods. Do you know what you call a book in Hebrew? A sefer. And it comes from the same root as sipur, which means story. Our story is this book. And if we want to pass our story on to our children, we have to give them the book. That's what we were celebrating this morning when we blessed the eighth graders. That's what we celebrate every day when we have children in this building and we get to teach them the family story. Like all family stories, you should forgive me, but this is true of your family true, too. There are parts of it that we wish we could forget. There are parts of it that we don't like. There are parts of it that embarrass us. There are parts of it that make us uncomfortable. But it's our story. So we tell it generation after generation after generation. There are parts in ancient times and modern times that embarrass us. In a couple of weeks, we're about to read how our greatest leader sins so that he doesn't get to go into the promised land. We'd rather not tell that story. But remember that the parts of your story that you forget, those are the parts that end up controlling you. The parts that you remember and tell, those are the parts that you can help shape. So we shape our lives according to our story. And we tell our children it's all in the book. When I was growing up, moving from that mythical pre-land where the family diary is to Philadelphia, 
I remember periodically my father and I used to take trips into New York because New York is where all the good bookstores were. Bookstores, by the way, are these buildings where they used to sell books <laughs> before you just bought them off the computer. And more than once, I would say to my father, can I buy this book? And he would say to me, you never have to ask, not about a book. Everything else you have to ask. If it's a book, you can get the book. That's what it meant to be part of a tradition where learning and books were the stuff of life. In fact, next week, we're going to read about the menorah in the temple. Rabbi Isaac Luria says every one of the candelabra represents a different discipline that you can learn about. And the center is the Torah. That is why when you look at a page, <laughs> and here's one example of a Torah or a Talmud, what you get is the text, the com translation of the text, the commentary on the text, the commentary on the commentary, and the commentary on the commentary on the commentary. <laughs> Not only because Jews are fond of talking, although that's a stereotype that pretty much holds, but because it is a continuing conversation. Family stories are never over. Generation to generation, we talk to one another about what we have experienced, what we have shared, what we have feared, and what we have celebrated. The rabbis, you know, tell many stories. And one of the stories they tell is what happened when God gave the Torah to Israel. So according to this Midrash, according to this story, when God was ready to give the Torah to Israel, God said to the Israelites, listen, I have a precious gift and I want to give it to you, but I'm not willing to give it to you unless I know you will treasure it. So who will you give me as your guarantors? Who will you put up to tell me that you will treasure this? And they said, God, if you will give us the Torah, we promise you our prophets. And God said, no. He said, look, your prophets sometimes say things I like. Sometimes they say things I'm not so happy about. Certainly they are not sufficient to guarantee that I will give you this precious gift. So say the rabbis, God, the Israelites said, okay, forget the prophets. We promise our rabbis. And God said, listen, if I wasn't going to go for the prophets, I'm certainly not going to go for the rabbis, right? There are better, there are worse, but the rabbis are not sufficient to guarantee the giving of the Torah. And finally, in desperation, after God said to them, you have one more chance, the Israelites looked up at the sky and said, God, if you will give us your Torah, we will promise you our children. And God said, I trust your children. I will give you the Torah. To all of our children, those who have graduated and those who will graduate. We have this because of you. Take care of it, treasure it, love it as we have loved it. And mazel tov. Shabbat shalom.